This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Do I have sons of God in the house? Do I have the unstoppable sons of God in the house? Can those sons of God just shake the devil by their shout to Jesus? Come on, go ahead, go ahead, let the devil shake and know that sons of God know who they are and what they are and whose they are. Come on, clap your hands one more time for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you very much. Wow. Good to see you guys. Uh, We've been here with us since the the conference started. But also for you that couldn't make it, but you just made it today. Thank you very much. And also to thank uh, Pastor Tom and Pastor Bonnie for inviting us to come, my wife and I, to come and be part of this great uh, celebration at Celebration Church. We are grateful that um, we had a time with you and just to share um, the word and testimonies of what the Lord has been doing in our personal lives and ministry, but also to be in this great, wonderful church. Um, I was telling my wife last night when we went to where we're staying, I said, there's something about this church when we minister you don't feel any barrier. You don't feel any kind of resistance. It just, one just flows. There's something right about this church. Come on, give God a big hand of praise. You may not realize it that in some churches when you are a speaker, when you preach, you struggle, man. You don't know what's there, but there's something that really is fighting you. And uh, you, you can't just flow. But, you know, since we came here, I'm... I just feel like I've been here for a long time with you guys. But uh, this is my first time, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Pastor Tom, thank you very much uh, for dedicating your life and your family to serve Zimbabwe and South Africa and the world. God bless you, sir. And all the team that helps him and ma'am, to do the work of God that God has called them to do. In some churches, you find the, um, those who are supposed to help actually become the opposition party to oppose everything. And you find the pastor and his wife struggling to bring forth the vision that God gave them because instead of having supporters, they've got opposers. But we want to thank God as we were sitting there with my wife this morning, and watching what you guys are doing here for God and the kingdom, we're just blown away. And thank you very much for being the church you are. A good example, praise the Lord. We hadn't just come to preach here, we came to learn. And since we arrived here on Friday, we've learned a lot of things, and uh, we're grateful that uh, for for some reason, God has just connected us with you guys and uh, you with us, and I don't know why I've been asking my wife again, I said, I don't know why the Lord has connected us. For whatever purpose, we say, let it be. But otherwise, this is my last session with you today, and I'm 
I'm going to share some stuff that I believe will bless you and help you even after the, con the conference to, to have something to really think about and to watch about and to be careful about because God has poured himself out into our lives so that we can represent him well in this world. People are looking for genuine Christians. They are looking for sons of God and all they see sometimes just phony people who are just acting and not real. But they want to see the real stuff. Are there sons of God in the world? Jesus asked a question that was never answered. He said, when I return, will I find faith in the earth? Nobody has answered that question. But obviously he will because there are sons of God that will stick to the truth. Can I hear an amen? amen. And the Bible says in the last, the, the last days, the Holy Ghost said, um, there will be a lot of falling away. There will be people that will depart from the faith. That's First Timothy 4.1. It says there will be people that will depart from the faith. Why? Because the Bible says they will be following doctrines of devils that will lure them away from the real faith, saving faith, heaven-going faith, and follow stuff that will get them disqualified by God. But I want to thank God that I believe, and since I came here on Friday, that you guys are on the way, on the right way. And I'm thankful about it. Now, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, let's, start the, let's kick off from there today. Um, Matthew 16. We read the scripture, but I'm going to read it for a different purpose today. In verse 18, the Bible says, And the Lord said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon the rock I'll, and upon this rock, this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now I want the last part of that scripture. That says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of God. Can I hear an amen? According to Jesus, the church is supposed to be unstoppable. The church is supposed to be an entity that busts the gates of hell open anytime they want to and release the captives. The church is supposed to be a live thing that brings not only eternal life to people, but bring healing, bring hope, and bring restoration, and bring prosperity, and all the good things that God has for us. The church is supposed to be a mighty force on the earth that when the devil faces it, he has got to give way. And we have already explained that the church doesn't mean a building. It means the people. It means men, women, boys, and girls who have got Jesus in their hearts who when they received him, they were given the power to become sons of God. And these sons of God form this body called the church. And they are a formidable force. They are a force that the devil must reckon. Just as we shared with you that when Jesus entered the synagogue, demons just scream and call him by name and tell him, don't torment us. And yet he's not doing it. Just sit getting into the synagogue looking for a place to sit. And we are the church representing Jesus because we are his body. Can I hear an amen? We are his body. He's our head. Now he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now I want us to look into that. Jesus, the owner of the church, this thing called the church, which wasn't there when he was there because there was just the temple and synagogues and Jewish stuff. 
But he said, I'm going to start something that doesn't exist yet. It's going to be called the church. It's going to be called the body of Christ. In other words, it will be my reflection. This thing called the church will, will stand on my behalf. It will move. That's why I said in John 14, 12, the works I do, you shall do also. So according to Jesus, the church is not some feeble thing in the, in, the, in the community. It's not something that was established by man for man's purpose and so on. But this is the dream of God. That he has a body in the world through which he can express himself. Now I've got a question this morning that I, I want us to, 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 to look at and to study a few things that would, should help us. Jesus said the church will be unstoppable. The gates of hell, meaning the kingdom of the devil, will never stop the church of God, will never uh, interfere and interrupt and disrupt the church. In other words, the church will walk in the anointing of the master Jesus and do the exploits that they are supposed to do. And they will do exactly the works of Jesus. Jesus would speak and something happens. He would pray and something happens. People would touch him and get miracles happening to their bodies. And that's exactly what we, the church, are supposed to reflect and be the same. The Bible told us yesterday that we must imitate him. We got to be like him. We cannot choose to be different. We are not supposed to be different. My question is this morning. Why are we seeing failure amongst the sons of God? Why do we see defeat amongst the sons of God? Why do we see the devil enjoying himself, you know, in the presence of the sons of God? Why would demons feel comfortable in the presence of the sons of God? Why don't they scream when they see us and run out? Why do we pray and nothing happens? Why do we pray for the sick and they die? Why are we losing our marriages? Because that cannot be the work of the Holy Ghost. Why do we have uncomfortable marriages? Why do we have all these, these, these funny things in, according to the kingdom of God happening in our homes? Why do we find all these disagreements and, and fights and arguments and, 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 and disagreements and, and all these kind of things in the sons of God's homes? What's going on? Why, why do we have all kinds of things happening which are not supposed to be happening in the presence of the sons of God? Whenever Satan wanted to manifest himself in the presence of Jesus, it was always impossible. Even if he came like a, like a lamb, like a, like, like, a, like, like a sheep, Jesus would recognize, no, this is not a sheep. There is a hyena inside here. When Jesus was explaining that he was going to be crucified and he was going to be tortured and everything, here comes Peter. Here comes the devil looking like Peter. He said, Pastor, you cannot allow that. And kind of talk something that like it is showing and expressing the love for Jesus. But Jesus reckoned, this is not Peter speaking here. He said, get behind me, devil. 
and we say, hey, this is Pastor Peter, man. But Jesus said, now you are looking on the outside. I see the inside. Peter has been visited. He has got a visitor. And the visitor is now speaking through his mouth. Friends, let's get worried when what did not happen to Jesus' ministry happens in our ministries. Let's get concerned about it. Because here is the scripture, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And we are the church. Let me share with you a few things. We looked at Matthew chapter 8 yesterday. And we looked at James chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 8, we hear the centurion says, I have authority because I'm under authority. I have seen with my little travels around the world where sons of God who are rebellious and under no submission to nobody wants to be obeyed. They want to say in the name of Jesus and something must happen. They want to say, I bind you, Satan, and sound Satan be bound. They want Satan to obey them when they disobey. They refuse to be under legal authority that God has put over them. And James chapter 4 verse 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. There are people who are insubmissive. They don't obey, they don't submit to God, but they want to use the name of Jesus. I read the Bible and I saw the seven sons of Sceva trying, they tried that. They found a demoniac, surrounded the guy, and said, let's get out these demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Imagine them standing around this mad guy. And he's looking around and seeing, what's up? What, why are these guys surrounding me? And I think the big brother was there. And he was the chair guy, the chairperson, I'm sure, the mouthpiece. I see the youngest one say, brother, start. I see the big man say, <clears throat> and he says, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. Everything he said was true. But he himself was not true. He thought the name of Jesus is a magical wind. He saw Paul cast out demons so simply. And he thought you just stand there and say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. I said the demoniac looking at them and say, hey, who are you? What did you say? We must what? Come out in the name of Jesus. I see the demoniac folding his whatever he was wearing. In slow motion. Because he realized these guys are starting a war they will never fight. And when he finished he said, Paul I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? Church of God, you better know who you are. And you better be what you are supposed to be. 
Demons are not playing games. They know they've got a short time to do the ministry they're supposed to do to mess up the world and they go to the lake of fire. They know it. So when I disobey or when you disobey, they know it. If I am insubmissive, they know it. If I'm a, if I'm a son of God, they know it. Not because of what I say, but because of the fruit in my life. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit. Not by what they say. So these boys didn't know that. They thought you just in the name of Jesus. Even if you are not a son of God. And the Bible said the demon jumped upon all seven. Beat them up. Tore their clothes. I mean, tear, tore their, their skin and everybody. They were bleeding and coming out of the house running. And I'm sure the big one, the oldest one was behind. Because even if you're first in coming, when it comes to running, the younger one must be number one. So I sit, and the Bible, the city was watching seven men running naked. Imagine what you like. Seven men like running. I think the first, the younger one looking back, say, hey, be faster. And the madman was coming. Saying, you dare do that. Don't try to chase me out. You, you don't qualify. So friends, if we refuse to submit to God, let's go to the book of Hebrews. We don't only submit to God, friends. There is order in the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? In, Proverbs, in Hebrews chapter 13, Verse 17 says, please listen to this. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Submit yourselves to who? To them that are given authority over you. For they watch, who are they? They. Them that have authority over, that is your pastors. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that's unprofitable for you. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't only submit to God. There are people that God have put over us. Whether we like them or not, they are our bosses. Because in the kingdom there is order here. Then I, I, I've seen there are those people who say, well, I, I, I can't submit to this one. I'm more educated than he is. I've got a better car. I've got a better house. I've got a better wife. I've got a better this. Now I can't, this is this one. But listen, if God has put that, what you call this one, over you, this very Bible says, submit under them. Some of the pastors called by God are not educated. Did you know that Jesus gave Peter the leadership of the ministry and Peter was illiterate? Did you know that Peter never went to school according to history? But Jesus gave him the leadership of the ministry. If you want to be unstoppable son of God, submit to those that have got, that have got legal authority over you. If you refuse to submit to God and refuse to submit to the people that God put over you, forget about authority. 
It won't work. No, Pastor, it is because I don't have the gift. It's not a matter of gift here. Jesus didn't say, I'll build up upon this road, build my church, and those who got a special gift, the devil will not prevail against them. He didn't say that. He said the devil will not prevail against every one of us here if when we are sons of God. But we need this thing called submission, which I don't know why, but in our humanness, you know, it's a struggle for some people to simply submit. Especially in church. But out at work there, they can put somebody to be your HOD or your, 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 your boss or your whatever. And you submit so easily at work. But at church, we got questions. And when we disobey this, which is an instruction of God, the, the situations and the devil and demons will also disobey us. Amen. Number two, that was number one. Why are we stoppable? Why do we have, why don't we, why is our authority not, not, not respected? No, check, let's check our lives. Isn't there an element of insubmission? Maybe to God. Some say, well, I obey God, but I cannot obey, and I cannot obey man. Where did you read that from? Because there's nothing like that in the scriptures here. So when I disobey the people that God put over me, circumstances will also disobey me. The devil will also, and watch this. You may have no problem with the devil right now sitting where you are, but I'm telling you as long as you want to live, continue to live, you will, he will confront you someday. When pastor is not there, when the leadership of the church is not, when you are just by yourself, and the devil says, hi. I learned you've got authority. Do you have authority over me? So no, it is the pastor who said that. It's not me. I, I, I didn't say that. There will be a day, I'm telling you, where you will feel you will wish you had authority. When things you don't want, when things you never thought would happen, happen. And they need somebody with authority to say, in the name of Jesus. And you, want, you may recite that name, but the devil will know. I'm not going to obey. This one disobeys God. Number two. Let's go to Mark 11. In Mark 11, this is the Lord Jesus preaching here and teaching the sons of God of something we must be very, very, very careful about. In Mark 11, let's look at verse 23. He says, for verily I say unto you that the whosoever, whosoever, whosoever. Do I have whosoever's here today? Do I have whosoever's in the church? Who is whosoever? Anybody that's the son of God, right? Shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. All right. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, here comes another snake. The Bible says when we are sons of God, when we speak to the mountain, we mustn't say so with doubt in our hearts. Don't command the devil 
to get out. Don't command the demons to get out. Don't command sickness and disease and circumstances to change. Whilst you have doubts, it will never work. According to Jesus, it will never work. So sometimes it's not the seriousness of the situation. Um, it is because of doubts in our hearts. Maybe you are sitting there, can the devil also obey me? Can this situation really change? Uh, is it possible? Now, when you, the moment you do that, you have just nullified your authority. You have just told that situation that you are not worthy. And why must the circumstance obey something unworthy? Why? So Jesus said, when you speak them out to the mountain, you better have faith. And not doubt what you are saying. But believe that what you say. is going to happen. The Bible says it's going to happen. So sons of God, we're privileged. Ours is to speak. Somebody say amen. Ours is to what? Mountain, how much it mountain? You don't speak about the mountain. You, you, you don't tell the mountain how much it is tormenting you. You, you, you don't describe the mountain. You tell it to get out. But the Bible says, say so by faith. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Friends, Jesus never spoke to any mountain and no mountain never disobeyed him. He never spoke to a mountain that disobeyed him. Not one in the Bible. But why do we have so many mountains laughing at us? Get out in the name of Jesus. The mountains say, <laughs> say that louder. Say it louder. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. He said, now, say it crying. <laughs> Get out in the name of Jesus. He said, cry louder. And the mountains laugh at us. As if the promise of Jesus is not true. But thank God he told us what can hamper and stop our authority. It is doubts. Because if you doubt, you are saying God is not real. You are saying God is not faithful. If you come to me and you believe I got money. And you say, can you give me a hundred dollars? And I say, all right. And I'm searching myself. And you, you walk away and you, you, you're like, oh, I know you wouldn't give me anyway. And I'm busy searching my pocket to give you the hundred rand. Now, if I've got it, do I have to run after you? I say, hey, you asked for hundred rand. Here it is, man. hundred dollars. Do I have to do that? Now, if you talk to the mountain and you are doubting you, the power of the name of Jesus, and the, you're doubting your status of being the son of God, why must the mountains obey you? Why? Have you ever seen, ladies and gentlemen, any traffic official on the road? Let's say here, here, here is the main road passing here. And here are the guys, they, they were working on the road. Have you ever seen them step into the road and, and then they go back? And... Have you ever seen that? No, they don't do that. Even if they're ladies, they walk into the middle of the road. Somebody say authority. 
And then they raise their hands. Somebody say faith. So they raise their hand. They know it doesn't matter how much in a hurry you are. You got to stop. They stand in the middle of the road as if they are plastic. If you run over them, they will never die. It's an act of faith of authority. Even if they are ladies, they don't, they don't think of their lady wood at that moment. They are thinking that I am a government official. I have authority to stop you. I don't know about here, but back home in my country. Ooh, gentlemen, if you want to go after a long time, make a fuss with those lady traffic cops. Treat them like women, not traffic cops. You will stay there for a long period of time. They will prove to you that I wear a skirt, but I'm a government official. I'm not a woman here. I'm a woman in my house. Here, I don't care about your beards. I don't care about your stomach. I don't care about your big voice. You are under my authority on the road. Yeah. Those women recognize their authority. So here comes the church. A mountain. Hey, <laughs> Is it possible to move? Can you move? In the name of Jesus. Yeah, uh, yeah, but in the name of Jesus. Now the mountains knows that you are doubting. Number three. Why are we laughed at by mountains? Verse 25 of Matthew, Mark 11. And when you stand praying, forgive. Somebody say forgive. Say forgive. If you have an ought against any that, your, that also your father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Friends, unforgiveness is another, another big thing that can stop your faith and, your, and nullify your authority. It is so easy to walk with unforgiveness and smile to people you haven't forgiven. It's so easy to shake hands and hug people that you've got a, something in your heart against. But God knows that you've got a unforgiveness for so and so. Yes, pastor, I have unforgiveness because you don't know what they did to me. What did they do? Yeah, they spoke to, about me, you know, to my colleagues just messing up my name. What's your name? Sarah. Now, is that a special name, Sarah? Uh, but they, they, they. And, okay, they spoke about your name. They spoke about you. And so, yeah, but, you know, yeah. So I can forgive them. Just for that. Yeah. Okay, do you know the price you're going to pay for that? The price you're going to pay is from that moment mountains are going to disobey you because you are also disobeying God. And circumstances are going to disobey you even you say in the name of Jesus because you are disobeying God. If you've got the guts to disobey God, why must circumstances obey ordinary you? When you don't even fear God. You, 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 you don't fear God. And when God speaks, you got the guts to answer back. 
You got the guts to give God your opinion. He says, forgive. You say, I can't because. Now what must God do with a, with a, with a son like that? And there's, an, there's somebody who's also knowing that you're disobeying God. It's called the devil. The Holy Spirit will encourage you to forgive. But another spirit will encourage you to disobey and not forgive. You know why? So that you will also not be obeyed. And you say, I've got reasons. That he, 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 he caused divorce or to, my family, to my marriage or he, this. And, and you give all kinds of things. And you think God will say, oh, is it? God is not going to change. If he says forgive, he says forgive. I had this guy that I worked with in ministry for a long time, for years. We worked for a year, for many, many years. And somehow, and, you know, he left the ministry. And he started to speak bad about me and all that. And, and uh, I heard what he was saying. It was hurting. It was all lies. I'm talking about something that happened uh, 19, whatever, 19, many years ago. I don't remember. Very long ago. Um, so I got into the flesh. I got angry. And when I, I see him in my mind, when I sized him up, I told myself that when I can fold him up. Um, and I know another thing that I'm going to do, I'm going to sue him for lying about my name and everything. And I concocted a lot of things in my heart to do. And I was still working in a particular institution as a lecturer there. So I'm driving home, and I'm sorry, traffic cops. I'm a fast driver. I'm sorry about it. Um, so I'm driving that day very slowly, and my heart is full of ugly thoughts about that brother. And my flesh is saying, yeah, get him. Show him that he can't do that to you. Fix him. And I'm thinking ways of fixing him. And the Holy Spirit, I'm driving. It's like he tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, what's up today? And he said, Didn't you, don't you know what he said? He said, he said, and he said, and he knows he's lying. You also know he's lying, he said. So if he said, what's up? But that would destroy the ministry. He said, which ministry? Our ministry is called Divine Life Ministry. I said, he would destroy Divine Life Ministry with all these lies. Here came the question. Whose ministry, by the way, is it? Oh, my God. Man, I was like a balloon pricked by a thorn, man. It went I'm driving. He said, by the way, whose ministry is it? I said, it's yours. <laughs> he said, now listen, listen, listen. He said, if it's mine, do you defend me or do I defend you? <laughs> Hang on. He went on and said, he said, he said, have you ever imagined an ant crawling there? trying to protect a lion. 
Have you ever imagined something like that? An ant crawling there, here stood a big lion, and the ant says, I'm going to fight for the lion. Really? How do you do that, little ant? He said, if it's my ministry, and you say it's my ministry, are you going to defend my ministry? I said, Lord, I beg up. I withdrew. He said, forgive him. Yes, Lord. I forgave. Watch this. One day I'm standing, just a few days later, I'm standing with some pastors at the, shop, at the shopping center. We're talking, talking. Here came that brother. And there's no way he can turn left or right. He must come here. And we were three. You know, flesh is not saved. How many know the flesh is not saved? Or just some of you. Some of you don't know. I'm telling you. Your flesh is not saved. I'm telling you. That's why the Bible says, off, give it up as an offering to God, man. Watch this. My flesh says, here comes the man who was destroying your name and the ministry. And I know when he comes here, he will want to shake you, your hands, you three pastors. And the devil said, don't shake his hand. You understand? You must, when you refuse to shake him, tell this other two pastors what he did. He's a hypocrite. And as he was coming close, the Holy Spirit said, forgive. Forgive. <laughs> My flesh is saying, no. No, forgive here. I must prove that this guy is a phony. And he came. He started with the first pastor. Hello, pastor. Hugged him. The Holy Spirit said, he's coming. Forgive. Quick. He came to the second guy, they hugged, and my God, the devil said, put your hands behind your, your, your back. The Holy Spirit said, no, shake him. Oh, my Lord. It's like my hand was made of a piece of steel, man. I picked it up. Ladies and gentlemen, when I touch within me, this God of Jesus poured within me that grace to forgive and to love the brother. Something supernatural happened. That hatred, that, that anger, that something just went out of me. I went home and told my wife, hey, I met so and so man and, I, and, I, all that, and I forgave him and I feel so much peace and I love him. I love him unconditionally. Ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness sets you free, not your enemy. Tell your neighbor, say, forgiveness sets you free. Say, forgiveness sets you free. Instead of stopping your authority and nullifying your authority, it actually sets you free. Because unforgiveness is a, is a jail cell uh, that God doesn't want you to stay in. Because when you are in there, man, you, you are so limited. There's nothing you can do in the kingdom for the kingdom. And God wants to use you. So friends, when we refuse to forgive some other sons of God who have hurt us, or some other humans who are not sons of God who hurt us, and we forgive, we refuse to forgive them, it nullifies our authority and our faith. Do you understand? The next thing, friends, let's go to Matthew 17. 
In Matthew 17, quickly, we look at verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, now, to paraphrase for those who don't know what's, going, what's, what's happening here. Jesus was at going to the mountain to pray and all that. And, uh, and then he transfigured there and everything. And there was a guy who brought his, a little boy who was demoniac. And the other disciples, the nine of them, tried to pray for the... Even Judas was there who tried also to say, then, oh, Jesus. The demon said, you will get you. They failed. So Jesus is answering because when he came back, the father of the child, I brought my child to you. And I love it. He didn't say I brought my child here. He said I brought my child to you, Jesus. And because you were not there, your, your guys prayed and nothing happened. And when Jesus had cast out the demon, when they were by themselves, the, the team members were worried. They said, Lord, why did we fail? Here is the answer. Verse 20. Because of your unbelief, you failed, not because you're not sons of God, but because of your unbelief. You failed because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hands and to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Shout amen. Shout amen. Friends, Jesus says there should be nothing impossible with us. Not only with God. Here is Jesus. He said there shall be nothing impossible with you. He didn't say you will be defeated by a few things that needs me, the special son of God. He didn't say that. He said you failed. Not because your names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. You failed because of unbelief. Ladies and gentlemen, can I be an unbelieving believer? Big yes. You can be a big unbelieving believer of long term. Here are guys that we, we think they are believers. Jesus said, you got unbelief. You are believers who don't believe. That's why the demons in the boy refused to get out. Because they knew you, you got a you got this unbelief in you. That's a dangerous one. Now, what is unbelief? It is when you refuse to believe the promises of God. When God says you can do it, he says, I can't. Because I'm black. I can't because I'm poor. I can't because I don't have the gifts of the spirit. No, we're not talking about gifts here. It's unbelief. When Jesus said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And you doubt, you fear to do it, you got unbelief. So unbelief can also nullify your authority. Two last things. Galatians 5, quick. Galatians chapter 5. Are you learning something? All right. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 6, 
For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Hello? Jesus said a new commandment I give you. Love one another. So to the sons of God, loving other sons of God is a command. And I say amen. To love the person you're sitting next to, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Oh, but Lord, uh, uh, this person is unlovable because of because. He says, that's not your son, it's my son. That because of because of yours, I know it. But love him or love her. So to love, ladies and gentlemen, it's not a suggestion. So when you refuse to obey Jesus in living a life of love, I can tell you now, circumstances will also refuse to obey you. Because faith worketh by love. Faith worketh by love. Faith that moves mountains works by love. If your heart is filled with hatred and other things about other people, I tell you now, you can go and fast if you want to. You can go and be gone. But I tell you, when you come back and say in the name of Jesus, you'll never see the result you want because you failed the scriptures. Faith works in what? In love. So when Jesus said love one another, he, 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 was, he was putting us on. He was setting us up so that when we say in the name of Jesus, it will happen. Amen. If you got hatred for somebody, you better get that get person out of your heart today. Your heart was never meant to keep people inside. That's why it doesn't have sofas. You cannot hate somebody that God loves and expect God to stand with you. Remember, God loves all people. Even the people you don't love, he loves them. He loves even the unlovable. He loves the ugly, the nasty. He loves them. And there's nothing you can do about it. Because God is love. Love cannot, cannot but love. Love can hate. Love just loves. So when you refuse to be the son of love and also reflect the love of your father, God, who is love, man, you are disobedient, you are rebellious, and why must things obey you and not rebel against you? The last thing. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, them who? Them Jews. Whilst they were on the wilderness and so on. Listen. But the word preached to them did not profit them or did not work for them. Why? Because not being mixed with faith in them that had it. Friends. Your faith must be based on the word. You don't decide to believe every, anything you want. Look at me. Sitting over there, I would see Pastor Tom. He would come here. And not looking down, and he would put his shoe 
about five cents. And I'm saying, my God, it's going to fall. And both of them, look, I can't put my second one there. But he would put both of them, not looking down. And I'm saying, how does he know he is? And I wish I was sitting here. <laughs> so that if he decides to fall, I must be there to jump and hold him. He would do it so many times. And all the time he would come. And I'm thinking, don't move. <laughs> There's no more stage. Don't move. And he would back up and he would walk this way and do the same. And now don't imitate him on that one. <laughs> Especially when not looking down. Pastor Tom, you must explain to me how you do that. Because I saw two of your shoes outside the stage all the time. I'm telling you I was concerned. <laughs> So friends, you don't just choose to believe what you like and say by faith it must happen. You don't climb a high, high house or a mountain and decide to say in the name of Jesus, the Bible says when I believe all things are possible to them that believe, I am believing I'm going to fly from here and I will never head. Go try it. We shall bury you next week. Because the Bible never said fly. So you don't just believe what you like. Your faith must be based on the word of the living God. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Your faith must be built and must be based on what God promised. And the Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. So when you step out on the word and you do the word and you speak the word, God will back it up. Look at Peter. He's in the boat. There is an ugly storm. He decided and things are bad. And here comes Jesus. This day he decided to walk on water. Instead of having a boat or swimming, he decided to walk on water. Why? He's the creator of the sea. So it must behave. The creator has arrived. He can walk on it and as he wishes. And Peter, everybody said, that's a ghost. But Peter. And Jesus said, guys, hey. I am your pastor. This is Pastor Jesus, your pastor. Don't, don't jump into the water. This is me. They could recognize the voice, but they could not. They said, but he's never done that before. Watch this. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me, tell me, speak, and say, Peter, come to me walking on water. And Jesus is standing there on the water. You know, he's standing there on the water and the waves. And Jesus is thinking, have I produced at least one faith guy? And Peter said, well, the Lord has spoken. Jesus said, come! One word, come! And Peter, without a second thought, got his foot out of the boat. Put it on the water. Yeah, it is standable. Another leg. And Peter walked to Jesus. And he walked to Jesus. The other guys, ladies and gentlemen, wanted to walk on water too. But fear bound them to the boat. Doubts! Unbelief kept 
kept them in the boat. And brother Peter was walking, going to Jesus. And when he was very close, and I'll prove to you why, very close, the Bible says he saw a wave and doubted. Listen, and he began. Somebody say began. What did he begin? The Bible says he began to sink. Now, I've heard many people say, Peter sank. You didn't read it properly. It didn't sink. He began. To begin to sink is not to sink. It is to begin to sink. So as he began, remember it was all, when he said speak the word, it was faith. So as he began to sink, faith rose up again. And he shouted, Lord, help me. Somebody say faith. So when he shouted the second time, the Bible said Jesus stretched his hand. Jesus didn't have a two kilometer hand. He had a normal hand. Which means Peter was very close to Jesus. The boat was so far they couldn't recognize Jesus. So it means Peter had walked a many meters by faith to Jesus. And he came so close. And he shouted. And Jesus, the Bible says, stretches and picked him up. Pulled him up. Put him on top of the water. He said, hey man, why did you doubt? Why? But congratulations, man. Let's go. So they started to walk again. Back to the boat. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm a son of God. Say, I'm a son of God. I shall conquer. I am unstoppable. By faith and authority given to me by my daddy in the name of Jesus. Come on, give God a big enough praise in this house. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.